This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Attention all serious natural lifters. Remember these two great websites, physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. Write them down and visit them often. physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight, our guest is Doug Ede. Doug is a physical culture pioneer and a true living legend, both in the gym business and in the personal training field as well. Doug is 86 years old and still trains heavy, hard, and regular. He has over 70 years of weight training experience, and he looks and acts decades younger than he is. Doug owns Doug's Gym in Dallas, Texas. He opened the gym in 1962, and he's been running the gym in the same downtown location for 55 years. The gym has become a landmark in downtown Dallas. Doug's Gym has been recognized repeatedly as one of the best and the best hardcore gym in the USA by many newspapers and training magazines. Doug's gym is old school and exudes a hardcore, old-fashioned feel. It still contains most of the original workout equipment from the 1960s. The gym has mainly barbells, dumbbells, power racks, and free weight workout equipment with also a few machines. Jack Ruby, yep, That Jack Ruby, the one who shot Lee Harvey Oswald, owned a business just down the street. And Doug has some interesting stories that relate to this that he will share with us later on the show. Many big names in the iron game, sports and television, have passed through the doors of Doug's gym. Several episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger were filmed there, too. Tonight, we're going to take a trip down memory lane and revisit some of Doug's colorful history for more than a half century in the gym business. To contact Doug, visit the website, dougsgymdallas.com. That's dougsgymdallas.com. And Doug, it's great to have you on the show, and welcome to Natural Strength Night. Oh, thank you. 
So, Doug, please tell us when and where you grew up, you know, and how did you get started in strength training? Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I started working out at about 16 years of age in the garage because that's all we had then. And uh, I was 15 or 16, and I was down in Houston, Texas, walking around one day, and I happened to see this magazine. And it had a fellow named Eric Pedersen, who was 18 years old, the headlines. I said, God Almighty, how in the heck did a guy develop a physique like that at 18? So that's when I picked it up and I read it, and that's where it all started. And I did most of the training uh, right in my garage, which I didn't even know how to do it, really. No, well, do you have a 110-pound set or what? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that would be about it. About a 110-pound set, and I had a few uh, a few dumbbells around. And uh, and no squat racks. You know, you just didn't know. You did mostly upper body work because that's all you knew how to do. I know you love Grimmick and Stanko and the York guys, right? I, I, after that episode of getting started, then I discovered Strength and Health magazine. And that was the main one I read over the years to learn how to train. And I used to you know, wait every month to get that magazine. <laughs> and it was sensible training. It wasn't like today. They didn't do all those monsters, supersets, and all that stuff. What they did was just a simple all-over routine, every workout, each part right. of the body. One exercise part, one, maybe two sets. And John Grimmick, you know, was uh, the main one I looked up to, you know, for training. Of course, yeah, me too. Know, he was a weightlifter before he mm-hmm. got into bodybuilding. That came later. But he, they had simple physical training. Routines that last about an hour, but you trained all over. That's how you worked it. Iron Man was very similar to strength and health. They both, they both believed in doing that uh, all-over training uh, workouts doing a, and the main basic compound exercises. Those were the heart of it. Now, I bet when you were a kid, most adults and most coaches were against training. Oh, yeah. They didn't even know what you were doing. When I was right. working out in the city, Houston at that time, I guess, had 300,000 people. I bet you in the whole city there weren't over 10, 15 people that really were working out. And we all knew each other. Somehow or another, right. we'd find each other. And <laughs> you'd work out sometime <laughs> in your garage, sometime in their garage. But that's how it kind of got started. It and, was like a uh, brotherhood back then, wasn't it? Brotherhood, exactly right. Like we discovered something that nobody else discovered. And yeah, it's it was so perfect, much different uh, now. It's unbelievable. Oh, no, it's totally different now. It's... Uh, it's uh, people, I mean, it's everywhere is physical trainer. They're everywhere they're doing weights. They got it broke down into this routine, that routine, mountain climbing, everything you think of. And it's constantly coming every year. One thing stays constant. Lose weight, lose weight. They'll get on this to lose weight, and that'll go for two years, and another one will come out, and they'll get on it for another two years. And it's continuously indefinite. And it's been going on for as long as I can ever remember. Right. And really, the only way you're going to lose weight, you might as well face it. What you're going to have to do is cut the calories down more and burn up more calories than you take in. And that's simple. Nothing complicated. It's so simple right. that people don't believe it. So people are constantly creating mystery to it to give it value. <laughs> I know you're right. <laughs> you know, exactly right. The whole story, all those magazines you read about, one issue mm-hmm. could tell the whole story of it all, and it'd be over. That's right. 
but they wouldn't sell no more magazines next month. So they have <laughs> That's to right. Have it. The secret is waiting for you. Every month, the secret is waiting on you. <laughs> I know it because I went through it myself when I was 18. I couldn't right. wait till the, till the magazine came out. I was rushing down to get the new secret. I've seen pictures of you, Doug, when you were in your 20s and 30s, and you were pretty big. I mean, you had some great natural development. So it must have been strange for you, like in the 50s, you know, late 40s, 50s, and, and 60s, to be as developed as you were. You know, how did people react well, to you back then when hardly anyone trained? Nobody knew, really knew what you were doing. So what right. you do that see you, and because I was pretty good size at 18, developed at 18 and 19, but you'd walk around and somebody wouldn't know, what kind of food are you eating? <laughs> or something like that. They thought you was uh, doing some kind of hard labor, maybe, or anything. They didn't even have any idea what weight training was. They, they must have been shocked when they saw you. Yeah, they would look at you, stare at you. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, and there was, it, I could see it now looking back, because nobody that weighed 190 would have a 17 or 18 inch arm, no matter right. how much they played sports. That comes from strictly weight training. No, it was, uh, it was strange. Well, like I told you, when I worked in, uh, out in the garage, it's like all beginners, you think of the chest and the arms. And that's all I really had for Celtics for. But I would be the main one. When the arms I used to do was a heavy barbell curl and the uh, concentration curl. Those two were mm-hmm. my favorite bicep exercises. And the triceps were the French curls and just close grip benches. And I sat there and worked on those. And then I had some rubber tables. So I worked with those too. Those were good. I was I started at 16, and I just I got my full development time I was 20. Right. And I got married when I was 25, 24. Well, I had two kids. I had to make a living. That kind of time that something like that takes is incredible. But I don't believe you need to do that. I think you can do a good hour workout with enough in- intensity. You can build yourself up as good as you want. Now, if you're right. trained to be Mr. Olympia, and most people don't care about that, that's a different, whole different deal. But if you just want to build an outstanding physique on yourself just, and healthy, good posture, look good, for what your body can give you, you you can do it an hour three times a week if you progress the weights, little by little progression of the weights. That's what you got to do. You've probably trained thousands of people since you opened your gym in 1962. What are the principles that you try to teach your clients? The, the main principle I try to teach is to do compound basic exercises all over. And the main ones would be the deadlift, the bench press, the bent over row, the overhead press, the curl. That would probably be the basic one with a couple of waistline exercises. Squats, yeah, squats too. And yep. that would be, and, and don't start off too much. I'd start them off with one set, and they'd work it until they got the endurance built up. See, the big thing is when you're, when you're uh, uh, training somebody and you're working with them, a lot of people don't forget that when they're even training people. They don't have the endurance to do all that. It's been sitting around for years. Hell, he'll get busy and everything. You've got to break him in slow. Slowly, as that endurance builds up, then you can increase the intensity of the exercise. But you can't do it too early, too quick, or you run them out. Yeah, did you ever read any of the old books like Super Strength by Alan Calvert? Yeah, I read that one. His, his was a simple routine, just like that. Yeah, uh, he was actually, 
he would probably be considered, I imagine, the father of modern-day bodybuilding would be him. Because, right, uh, that book he's had one a that, huge influence. Uh, it was a big influence on John Grimmett, too. He, he, he said through the years later that book influenced him as much as any. That it was, and it was no more than the modern bodybuilding, the motions that I just mentioned, some form of them, where you was working up to a certain amount of reps, then you would add weight, you'd come down, and you'd work up again. To me, right. that's the way to train. And then if a guy uh, gets, as he gets more into that, and, and uh, he wants to get a little more advanced, and what I tell him, well, if you want to work on your arms, still work the all-over routine. When you get through working out, take about 10 or 15 minutes and go back over some more muscles that you want to spend more time on. That's how you, I, would, I would do it, just like that. Yeah, what kind of diet did you follow? Food was just real good in those days. I mean, I ate at home mostly and, and just vegetables, meat, milk, regular foods. They didn't have the steroids in the foods back then. Right. And uh, like the milk today is loaded with those hormones and steroids. Unless you can get that milk that costs twice as much, and it don't have that in it. But uh, You probably got it right out of the cow, regular. right? Right. And that's what most people would, would eat, just a basic, simple diet. They didn't even do no special diets. Now, if they wanted to gain right. weight, they would eat a little more food. If you wanted right. to lose weight, you would just cut down a little bit, and you would lose weight if you kept working out. What got you started with your gym? How did that take place? Well, uh, how I got started in the, in the training people, when I went in the Korean War, broke out in 1950, and I was going to get drafted, so I joined the Air Force. Then when I went in, they put me in physical therapy, which is nothing but pre-weight workouts. You work with mm -hmm. people who exercise. They can't move. You have to help them move, you know, just stuff like that. Then they go into some kind of a weight program. Then I did that. Then when I got out, I thought I was going to become a physical therapist. So, but I met another a man who used to work out with us. He was a few years older than me. And when I got back out, he had become a physical therapist. I know that. Because he told me he was going to do that before he went in. Then mm -hmm. I'd seen him after I got out of the service, and he was selling drugs for uh, the pharmaceutical companies to the doctors. Then I asked him, I said, what the heck are you uh, doing that? I thought you was going to be the fish. He said, I was. He said, don't get into that stuff. It ain't worth the day. I said, why is that? No doctor recognizes it. No, uh, no insurance will pay you one dime. You've got to sell people when they come in there on visits. You're not going to make any money with it. Don't do it. All right? Well, at that time, a fellow named Ray Wilson, who started American Health Studios, all right, he opened his first gym in Houston. That was the first one upstairs, just like mine here. My father was in a clothing business, and he sold him a suit of clothes. And he knows he was well-built. He said, you must be working out, you know, with weight training. I got a son or something built like you are, kind of. And he showed him a little picture he carried of me in the backyard taking. He said, you know, send him by here. I like to talk to him. I was going to school at that time, the University of Houston. And so I went by and seen him, and I told him I'm going to school. Well, you come in after school from 3 to 8 and work in the gym and help train people. Well, I started off, and hell, the first month I was making four to $500 a month. And that the money was depreciated. It's so damn depreciated since then. Money was worth 10 times what it is today. So, my God, I was making damn good money then. And then after I talked to the other fellows that went into the physical therapist, I said, what the hell do I want to do that? 
there's a hell of a lot more people who want to develop themselves and work out than are need be rehabilitated again. So, hell, I just dropped the physiotherapy and went into this. And then I was working with a friend of mine, had a gym. He opened one in Corpus Christi, and I was and uh, he called me to come up there. And I went down and worked with him for about six months. And this fellow came in. I could tell he had worked out before. He was a, a tourist down there. And mm-hmm. he uh, came in and was working out, and uh, I got to talking to him. He said, well, I'm in the same business as you're in. I said, what do you mean, a gym? He said, yeah, we put one in downtown. We've had it open about four months, but we can't keep nobody in there, and, and it's just it's too hard to run. We, they had one in North Dallas. They put the first one in North Dallas. And I said, well, he said, why don't you come up and take a look at it, man? We'll let you have it real cheap. It won't cost you much, and you can get in there and do the same thing you're doing here. I said, well, hell, wow. I could go up there and look. So I went down there and looked at it, and, and uh, it, was, it, didn't, it had some of the weights, nothing like it is now. But uh, right. I made a little financial deal with them, very cheap to get in. In the first month in there, I did real good with it. So I stayed every month. See, I did nothing was bad enough to make me move out of here. You see? <laughs> That's crazy. all the 54 years. That's how it works, you know? That's amazing. And, uh, You've been in the same place since 1962. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen them all come to this in the President's Falls, and I've seen this club, and gins of them come, and gins of them go, and, and it's the same old situation. Tell us that funny story you told me the other day. Remember that story you told me about the guy who left for 25 years, then he came back and he freaked out? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Well, I'll, I'll try to tell yeah, that. T- tell us that right story. Quick. All right. Well, this was about... I guess 25 years ago, I was in the gym at about nine o'clock at night. And there was one other fellow was working on the bench press. Just me and him were here. That was all. Everybody was gone. Yep. And there's a knock on the door and a guy comes in. He says, Doug, damn, I'm glad you're still here. He said, you might not remember me, remember me but he started talking to me about the different ones he worked out with. And then I, then I remembered who he was. And I said, what the hell happened to you? You just disappeared. He said, well, I had my car packed outside, and I went to Michigan. That was, I was, and then I retired up there. And me and my wife were going through Dallas. And we're going to take that southern route from Houston all the way down to Florida, coastal route. Mm-hmm. And we passed the gym. He said, God dang, the gym is still there. I couldn't believe it, he said. So he <laughs> pulled in, and he walked upstairs, and I, and I was talking to him, and all of a sudden, Looked like he was going to have a heart attack. I said, what the hell? Is anything wrong? What's happening? He says, God almighty, I can't believe this crap. I left this place 25 years ago. You were standing right here in the same spot. And I'll ask you one more question. What's that? Is that guy on that bench named Harvey, a policeman? I said, yeah, that's Harvey. He said, God damn, he was on that same bench. <laughs> he said, I can't believe this. <laughs> I said, you want to talk to Harvey? He knew him. Oh, no, I don't want I've got to get out of here. And uh, he was, he, he walked in the door, opened it up, the same scene, the same thing was there, and a quarter of a century has gone by. And he couldn't, and that's what shocked him. Wow. Yeah, you've been there for so long, it's unbelievable. It'll be 55 years this year, right? Right. Look, I just play it worth uh, day by day. Other people want to take the gym over. I might work something out with them. But I'm not dumb enough to know 
that I can do this forever. And if I do want to have a little retirement, I want to be healthy when I retire. I don't right. want to be I don't want to be carried out of this gym on a stretcher. I want to walk out. I just saw a picture of you yesterday, and you have some unbelievable arms still. I mean, for 86, I can't even believe you're 86. Tell us how you train now. I know you still train hard because I can tell by just looking at you. Well, the way I train now is nothing like uh, this. The type of routine I'm going to tell you about is better for an older person or somebody who just wants to work for good health. I don't work with muscle muscle size no more. It's impossible to get anyway. You don't have no more growth hormones. I start off usually about a 15 to 20 minute walk around the gym. I got 32 times around the gym is one mile. And then as soon as I get through, I uh, remember John Grimmick doing all the pullovers, the flies, the dislocates yep. on the flat bench, breathing exercises. I mm-hmm. take a pair of light dumbbells and I'll do 50 to 60 reps, just breathing deep, stretching the rib cage out, pulling the stomach in, and deep breathing. I, as soon as I get through uh, a walk in the gym, I do a leg exercise first to get the breathing up. So when I hit the bench and start do, doing all that breathing, I won't get dizzy. Right. And then I'll do that, and that runs me about 22 minutes. Then I get through, I do a set of maybe a benches, a lat pull down, uh, maybe overhead press, maybe three or four benches. The whole thing is mm-hmm. 30 minutes. And I'm through with it. I believe in doing a lot of. Uh, uh, blood circulation work, and lots of deep breathing, especially that breathing pullover, which people right. don't even do no more. If any one, one exercise that would keep you in good posture would be the breathing pullovers. I pull mm-hmm. the stomach in and lift up the chest, and it's a great, great exercise. And you want to do a lot of that breathing. Then some days, I don't do that. Some days, I just concentrate on six or seven doing one set. A basic weight exercise, and that's it. But I try to do that breathing routine at least at least twice a week. Now, but I walk all five days in between. So you walk five days I a walk. week. Yeah, that's great. Fifteen to twenty minutes before I do anything, or some days I might do a set of bench. Then I walk the gym. I do a set of overhead presses. Then I walk the gym. I mix those two up. I do different ways like that. But the main thing right. is when I start, I don't sit down. Once I right. start, I go through the whole thing. Because my primary uh, uh, re- purpose in working out is, like I said, is to get that breathing up and get that blood going through the body. most important thing when you get older is to keep the plumbing in good use, right? That's exactly right. You're damn right. The plumbing. And you don't want to be, <laughs> hold- be holding that breath and pushing that weight. And that's, that's right. when a lot of people get injured when they get older. That's how they, that's how they get uh, injured. Holding that breath and pushing that last weight out, and those art, those veins grow in size. The heart swells up. You don't need to do that. Right. I don't think that would hurt too much of a young guy doing it, but a guy gets you know up in the, over the sixties, he should kind of watch his routine. Let him do a more of a routine like that. And if you can't make the transit, I watch people work out for years. I've seen them come in and build good-looking physiques up. Then I see them 10 years later. They look better like they never worked out. Every every single one did not make the transition from building a good-looking body up and just 
toning it down and just work out for good health the rest of their life. They can't do that. And most of them are quick. All those pump artists is never last. You can do that when you're young. You've got a lot of enthusiasm. Of course, you know, they like to walk down the beach and the girls will look at them or everybody's admiring their physique. But that's going to die out. Sooner or later, you're going to have to do it for a reason beyond that or you will, you will not continue it. You've got to recognize that, that longevity is what it's all about. That's the purpose of exercise in the beginning. It wasn't to build showy muscles. That's just a byproduct. Its purpose was to build a healthy, straight body, and bodybuilding wasn't even wasn't even part of the whole deal to enlarge the muscle. All that That's came right. later. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at VitalNutritionStore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elwart, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. 
Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website, WebStrengthCoach.com. He will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs, a program right for you. Bob will give you feedback after every workout. This is old school fitness and nutrition, no fads and no gimmicks. Bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied. So visit WebStrengthCoach.com today and let Bob help you reach your best self. WebStrengthCoach.com. Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen to maximize your natural muscular and strength potential. Please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation, a masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's I R O N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on MindForce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindForceRadio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on MindForce Radio. Just the other day, remember, you were telling me about the physical culture philosophy. That's one reason why you and me get along so good, because we have the same philosophy. 
Tell us some of the stuff you were telling me the other day about the physical culture philosophy that you have. Well, what I've, what I've studied, I like, I like to, uh, well, since I was 25, I've read a lot of philosophy. I enjoyed it. Plato, Socrates, all that part, all the way up to Nietzsche, to Schopenhauer, to the different ones. And one thing I noticed in every one of them, they all believe in good health and physical culture. Now, Schopenhauer was probably the philosopher of doom. That's what he's called, the dark philosopher. He, had a, he, he observed the world, and he looked at the world, and he considered it as a dangerous place, <laughs> rotten place. And you watch this out, and you take care of yourself. The one thing he was optimistic on, health. He wrote this in 1825. You have to take care of your health. If you lose your right. health, I don't care. If it's for fame, for money, or anything, it should never be sacrificed for health. And, I mean, for, for money. Anything that will, will, that will hinder your health should be not followed, dropped. He, was a, he said that is a fine thing you've got to have, good health. Now, the man is absolutely correct, because I was here for years in his gym, and, uh, and I, would, I read a lot of books when I was young, uh, 30 on on starting businesses and stuff like everybody did, a young guy wants to get started. And they all talked how to do it, technical. But, you know, when you're running a mama and papa shop by yourself, the most important thing you've got to have, and they don't even mention it, is good health. You have right. no, you can't stay home by yourself every day. You can't afford to get sick for two or three weeks. You're out of business. You've got to take care of yourself. If you're an individual proprietor running a small business, you've got to have good health. And people you don't, don't get don't paid for days that. off. No, you don't, and you, you get away from your business, and it's gone in two or three weeks or a month. You just That's don't right. come back and pick it up. It's got to be rebuilt again. You've got to have good health. And I'm not, and now I've been lucky and healthy so far, but I know that I'm, you know, just like anybody else, I'm going to get sick, and it's going to hit me too. Every human being gets hit on that. But I've had a Medicare card since I was 60, 65. I've never used it once. Now I take it back. I took it four years ago. I got a physical, and that was all. And I didn't even want to take that one, but had a doctor was working out here, and he knew me. He didn't get a physical. You, you don't know that I shouldn't have done it. But I went down and took it anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and that was it. I never had a prescription filled. I never taken an antibiotic shot in my life. Nothing. That's I never awesome. spent one penny. I never spent one penny on the medical profession in my life. Not one cent. There's no uh, prescription that you're taking right now. No, never took one. When I went to get that physical, the first thing the doctor asked me was, "I was about 80 years old then." He said, uh, "Well, give me all your drugs you're taking." I said, "I don't take drugs. I never had one." <laughs> he said, "Oh, bullshit, Doug, you're lying, son of a bitch." He called me. He's joking with me, you know. He said, give me that Medicare card. I gave it to him, and he'd come running back all grinning. God, man, this card's never been used. I said, I told you that. And he right. said, the average guy your age comes in here, will leave with, they'll have 20, 20 to 15 different prescriptions. I didn't plan it that way, and I never thought about it happening that way. It just, it just uh, happened, and there it is. I wasn't yeah, from your lifetime of physical culture living. I never, I never thought about getting, uh, getting sick or dying. When every day I get up and go to work, yeah, my wife 
he died 15 years ago uh, when she was 65. She used to see me get up and go to work like that, and she said, how do you do this? She said, you get up and you're in there and you're going to work. Don't you ever get tired of that? I said, what you don't understand, I don't consider it work. I enjoy it. I go down there and I take care of myself and I talk to people that have the same mental outlook as I do. And we'll talk about business. We'll talk about problems in life. You get all this kind of conversation in a real gym. You don't get this in these mass-produced gyms. They're all so jealous of each other. When they're working out, one of them looks better than the other, and they all get mad. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're exactly right. See, I can tell by your passion that you love what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there for 55 years, and, you know, that's helping keep you alive. You're probably going to be there till you're 120. That's great. Oh, no, I don't don't believe that. <laughs> One thing I, I do. do miss that I wish I could do. I love the ocean, and I haven't been there enough. I like you love I, the what? I like the ocean. A little time fishing on the ocean. No, right. I, I, I don't know how. I don't have no great plans. Every day comes. Maybe there'll be a day, and I get up in the morning one day, and I figure, well, you know, I've did this enough, this and that. I might right. do this or that. I'm building me a place out in the country now. I've got it about completed. I might go out there. I don't know. But, you know, I tell you, it's not as hard as you think it is. I tell you, years ago I was down here, and I got bored with it one day. And I'm going to go home. God damn it, I'm tired. I got another guy to close the gym up three or four hours early for me. There weren't many people working out that day. So I left and went home, and I sat down. Then all of a sudden it dawned on me. You know what, you know what it dawned on me? What? Here I'm sitting in the gym. What difference does it make if I sit in the gym? I sit at home. I'm still sitting. <laughs> you got to be somewhere. <laughs> you know, just hit me. What, 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 is, what is this great deal about going home? I'm sitting in the damn right. chair at the home just like I'm sitting at the gym. It doesn't make no difference. Yeah, but your gym is like your home anyways. It's like an extension yeah, of your home. Yeah, but, I mean, there's no way that uh, you're not going to escape rushing home to sit around. That's right. That's the point. Yeah, so, and, you know, and you're lucky I, because I, your work is not really work. It's like your hobby. You love it. You're getting, you're getting paid. You're lucky to make a living doing your hobby. So 55 years doesn't seem like 55 years. Well, also, you're lucky that, that you can uh, make it because all the expenses go up. See, all small businesses, majority of them, when I call small, one or two employees, three or four, they'll eventually go broke. Five out of eight will all go broke, and not from a lack of talent but the costs are constantly rising on you. Your right. rent's doubling every 10 years. Utilities mm-hmm. go up. Everything goes up. And, and, right. and being in a highly competitive business, you can't just keep raising prices like a monopoly business can do. You see, to offset right. that. So you're in a position where you are, you know, you have, that's why you're forced either to merge or get a bigger unit or get a bigger place to offset that. You bring the cost down. A better location, but it costs more and more money. And then if you happen to hit the cycle wrong, you go broke and it's all over. That's what happened to That's me in D.C. All... I got my, my landlord sold the building and the new people came in and jacked everything way up. And I was near the end of my lease when she sold the building. If I, if I knew she was planning on selling the building, I would have probably signed another five-year lease before she, before she sold it. That's what happens. Well, that's, yep. that's what's been going on for 30 to 40 years. It just is for health. When I opened up in 62, the dollar was worth 10 times uh, what it is today. 
So if you made a $7,000 a month, you made $10,000. I mean, this you can look right. at the prices of a, of a postage was only three cents. So really, as far as any future concern, I'm just going to take it day by day, week by week, and I decide what I'm going to do. These people all know me for years. They they know that. I'm the oldest one in the gym. I've got some of them who are 75, then here 25 years. Some of them, you know, but most, a lot of these guys I've met have dropped out over the years. The hell, they've died. Tell us about some of the equipment you have in your gym. Yeah, well, I've got a sprinkling of other stuff, but the heart of it is that old heavy iron. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the benches are heavy, the incline's heavy. Like today, I believe a lot of stuff I figure made by those tubes. Hollow, right. You know, and this is all iron all the way through. It's heavy. You know, it's uh, and, solid uh, welded iron. Yeah, the old equipment here, and I've always been people trying to buy it. For home use, it's great. Hell, you know, I mean, you could dispose of this equipment easy because a lot of people will buy it for home use. That wide-rimmed uh, um, um, York plates are hard old, to come by now. They're rare. York, York, York weights. I had some old Jackson weights here. I've got those round balls, you know, the dumbbells, the round ones, the gold. Right, now, right, right. Some of those up here, and it's, uh, when you walk into it, you'll notice, you'll know you're in a time machine. That is awesome. See, you have Jackson weights there, too? Yeah, there's some Jackson weights here. Those are hard to come by, Jackson. Yeah, there are not many of them, but I've still got some scattered around on the rocks. I might go by and look, see if I can dig any of them up. I know I've got some here. Yeah, glow oh, yeah, barbells and dumbbells, those are hard to come by, too, man. Your, your place must yeah. be a museum. Your place is like a working yeah. museum. Well, when you come in, you know it's a real gymnasium. They'll look at it, and I have strangers coming to town to work out one day, and they'll say, God Almighty. And they all love it when they leave. They say, this right. is incredible. It's an old-fashioned you know, uh, physical culture studio. That's exactly right. And uh, and most of the people in the old gyms years ago, those, those studio gyms, they were, mm-hmm. they, were, they were places where people discussed philosophy a lot, where they right. talked big subjects, and they worked out. They were all smart men. This old deal about muscles and dumbness is full of crap. That ain't no truth in that. Most of the <laughs> yeah. most of the men that I've seen through the years in this gym from the beginning, they're the real people that come in not after they build themselves, they stay with it, but they lighten the routines, they do it all. They're smart people. I noticed that. They're highly intelligent. Because you have to have intelligence to take care of yourself. And very That's exactly people right. do take care of themselves. And you could uh, you can you can almost judge people by uh, uh, what they think about taking care of themselves by how well they take care of themselves will tell you a lot about their life. I've never seen that's right. I've never seen one yet. I've, I mean, that's incredible. And the ones that, that uh, the lot of, lot of times you get a younger group through the years come in, you can look at the people and tell which ones are going to stay with it and which ones aren't. Because it takes right. you've got to have good sense. To take care of yourself because the cost is so great today. And what good does it do you if you work yourself to death and accumulate money and you're aching and pain is real in the world? Pleasure is illusion. People don't know that. They think the pleasure is the thing they seek. No, you avoid fucking damn pleasure because pain is real. You avoid pain. And being sick and being sick in bad shape is plenty of pain, believe me. And that's been my philosophy of life. I've I've tried to follow that all my life. And, hell, I could be dead in a year or two. Who knows? But one thing was, 
I, I went through it all at 86, 87, 88. That's a complete life. I've done, I've got five grandchildren. I've got uh, two children, five grandchildren. I've got two great grandchildren. You can very difficult to transfer, transfer uh, uh, your knowledge to people who are taking care of themselves. I've got people in my family I can never do it. And mm-hmm. I've talked to them. They've seen what I've done. You either mm-hmm. got it in you, you don't have it. And one thing I can guarantee you this, and it's absolutely correct. You go to school, and you can learn what two and two is, mm-hmm. or, or information, what you learn, knowledge. You put a little knowledge together, but cannot transfer experience, and that's the curse of the human race. It can never be transferred. That's right. If I talk to a kid about taking care of himself, working out well, not hard, just do, stop this as part of your life to do it, they go in one ear and out the other. Maybe every 10 person or 20 will say, by God, I'm, by, you're absolutely right. I'm going to take care of myself. And they'll understand it. But most people don't understand it. And because you, you just cannot transfer the experience. And that's a simple, that's why we're always making mistakes. Yes, you can't move it. But you send them to school right. and give them knowledge, and that's it. Well, Zig Ziglar said education will cover a lot of ground but it won't cultivate any of it. No, because a man, hell, when I was 15 years old, a kid, if a man 40 years old told me something to do, I'd die if I would mm-hmm. believe him. You know? Right. I just said, oh, mm-hmm. that old man don't know what he's talking about. And that's yep. the reason why we have to go through all these problems over and over again, is you just can't right. transfer them. Hey, Doug, please tell us how you knew Jack Ruby you know, and how you experienced the JFK assassination. Right, God, that's a hell of a fire there. That's a big one. That's the rest of it down there. Yeah, you hear all that? Buildings on fire right down the street. Well, this is the perfect thing because this is exactly what happened during the JFK assassination. Your gym is right downtown, and you got a front row seat to what was going on because you're right near the police station, just like you uh, are right now. We can hear all the sirens going by and everything else. So this is pretty right, much what exactly. it was like for you I, during you, the JFK assassination, right? Yeah, all right. right. <laughs> the day he got assassinated, all right? Right. I'll start you from the beginning. I went out of the gym. There's a parade. He was coming to downtown Dallas. And I went over to the cleaners to pick up some, not see some clothes. So I come out of the cleaners, and uh, and I seen everybody lined up. I wasn't even going to stay. Then I asked the policeman who was there. I knew him. I said, when is uh, Kennedy supposed to be by here? He said, he's coming around soon because they just called me. They call him ahead of time. You know, he said, go. He didn't call him, but the people called him. So I said, well, I'll stay here and watch him. So I was on the corner, and he come around the corner. He slowed up to turn the corner. I said, God, this is incredible, set in my mind. I said, I can't believe this man is in this car. I just reached out and touched him. And well, anyway, he went on down Houston Street. Before I, I was two blocks away from the gym. Before I got down, you heard the sirens a while ago? They were hollering, and, and they were rushing out of the police department. I said, what the hell is going on? I didn't know. So I walked upstairs, and there was a detective walking out. And he said, man, there's something happened. 
There's something going on. He called over there, and they wouldn't tell him nothing. Then about 15 minutes later, he heard on the radio, shots were fired at Duty Plaza, where, where Kennedy was. It was fired shots. Then about 10 minutes later, they came on up, and the president was hit. But we think he's going to be all right. They take him to Parkland Hospital. That yep. went along. Then about 30, 40 minutes later, they announced that he was dead. I knew the, uh, I have a member, his father was a surgeon, was one of the ones that examined Kennedy when he came in. He's about 85 now. He said, as soon as they brought him in, we all knew he was dead. Then next day, Jack Ruby, he talked to all across the street. Jack Ruby had a strip club about four blocks from the gym. And at that time, uh, there was a restaurant open right next door to the gym. It's one of the best restaurants in town. And, and people would come down there and they would eat. And he kept it open at night, too, up to about 10 o'clock, because the hotels were nearby. Well, he'd come down, and he would eat there about twice a week. But he would wander up to the gym and watch him work out a few minutes and then go back, you know, over there and eat and go on back down. And then he'd give us cards, which I didn't know helped. He had these cards, Jack Ruby's club, free drink, and he'd give you a card. You want to come to his club, and then he'd give you a free, a free pass, all right? <laughs> and uh, so after, <laughs> when he shot him, I didn't even, I heard the noise over there, and everything was, I didn't know what was going on. So I walked to the restaurant next door, and the guy that owned it was an older man. His son was there. Since I walked in. You hear about that damn crazy Ruby did? See, everybody knew him. He always walked around town giving out passes. And uh, he said, what? He's the one who shot off well. Uh, is that right? Said, I'll be hot to him. And, uh, yeah, he, see, that's how he got in over there. Everybody knew him. You remember, mm-hmm. you look at that film. When that film ever showed to you, by the way, you could see the gym entrance in it, too. But they mm. had that film... Him and that guy with that big white hat on. Yeah, yeah, I remember that shot. picture. Yeah. Oswald jumps up and boom. What did he say? And as soon as he shot him, you could hear it real quick. Jack, you son of a bitch. He knew exactly wow. who it was. See, because they all used to go down to his club. They all knew him. You were right in the middle of it. Yeah, I was off. Oh, by 6 o'clock at night when Kenny was shot, you could look out the window they had Oswald across the street from the gym. The street was packed with wires, cameras, thousands mm. all over the place. They even came up to the gym, and I let them photograph from the gym out. By, by when they announced his death, I went over to the restaurant to get a bite to eat. And nobody was in there. And I've seen all that food there. But that was around lunchtime he got killed. I said, what the hell is going on here? I said, Mr. George, I was about 33 then. He was 85, my age. And he mm-hmm. said, well, they all, they wouldn't eat nothing. After they heard he died, they all got up and left. I said, did they pay you for that? Yeah, they paid me. So what are you going to do with all this? You take it home so much you want to. Just God. So I can't take all that damn food home. He said, man, these steaks are great. So I think he called up the Army, Salvation Army, or or something like that. They came in there and picked that food. It was good. It's an expensive mm. restaurant. It seated about 175 people. Yeah. 
And so wow. they were gone. The downtown was deserted after he. All this stuff about Dallas is is really nonsense. The people were completely went off work. Everybody but left town when he got shot. And tribute hmm. to him, you know, it wouldn't work. They all all went home. Whole town town was deserted. Just going back a little bit, you also knew um, Alan Stephan and and Bud Counts too, right? Oh yeah, I knew them. I well, I went to when I went to the Air Force on Bud Counts. He was in drafted in the army, mm-hmm. and uh, he was working out in the gym there. That was where they sent him overseas in the army from there. And I was going to that physiotherapy school there. So we used to work out together in the gym there. And uh, he he weighed one day. He weighed, a, I remember weighing weighed about 182 pounds. And then I, I brought a tape measure <laughs> just to see what that damn arms measure, that light body weight. And they made it over 18 inches. I mean, that wow. tape was straight up and down. You know, a lot of people slant a tape when they measure it. If you slant it, you'll gain an inch. You know what I mean? The top has yep. got to be lined up at the bottom. That was probably the biggest arm for a body weight I've ever seen on a man. And his main exercises was barbell curl, concentration curl, and French curl. He did and presses. He did behind the neck presses. Those four. 180 pounds with 18 inch arms naturally. That uh, natural. That was uh, that's unbelievable. That's even unbelievable today. I want to see somebody today weigh 180 and get a measurement of 18-inch arm cold, not pumped, cold. Right. Because I made them when before we started. That is enormous hmm. arm today. But that body weight, there's some 18 at 200, 195. But that, that, mm-hmm. that 15 pounds lighter is a huge difference. I met Alan Stephan in Houston, and we had a little gym together before I came here. Before I mm-hmm. went to Carpenter, I was in Houston. He had it, and I was working with him down by my house. He didn't like it oh, here cool. because he loved that too hot for him down here. Down here, he was used to that cool weather up cold in Minnesota. So he mm-hmm. left, but he was thirty-six then, and I was about thirty, I guess, yeah, somewhere like that. But you know, I never mm. could get him to work out. He just he was had kids, and all he wanted to do was make money and get successful. He I said, Alan, you ought to, man, you built that body up. You ought to maintain it. Do some exercise. He was big looking, but he didn't have the physique that he had back, you know, when he was taking those pictures. That was probably 15 years earlier, 13. Couldn't, couldn't he? So once he, just didn't, uh, once he had a family, he, he kind of stopped family. training? Stopped training, yeah. He couldn't, uh, you couldn't get him enthused about it no more. Now, he might have oh, picked wow. it up later. It's that transition period I've been telling you about. You got to be able to go through that transition period to keep working out because right. you're 21 would would drive you to work out at 21. It's not going to drive you to work out at 36. But anyway, he he still maintained a pretty good body from where he was developed, but it was smoothed out. And you could tell he had put some weight on, and I and I lost track of him. The last thing I heard about him, he died in, at 80 years, 82 years old with Alzheimer's. He had Alzheimer's. And I never did hear from anybody in the business talk about him. I don't know if he even stayed in the business. You never heard a word on him. Tell us about the wrestling stars and athletes who trained at your gym. The wrestlers started here. They all came to the gym here because this was before they put that uh, uh, wrestling out of New York. You know, that, what's that fellow's name? Uh, my name? 
you know, the one that promotes that wrestling mania, that Dick wrestling. It's out of New York. It's on national TV. Before they had that, everybody mm-hmm. in the country was divided up in territories. So Dallas was the headquarters of this territory. The wrestlers would come in here and work out. Then they'd go to Fort Worth. Then they'd go down to uh, Corpus Christi, Austin, Houston, and back up to Dallas. So they, they, the country was divided like that. So all the, the name rosters of, the, of those days uh, would, would live in Dallas because that's where they started, the headquarters was. And God, I had them, Jim's um, up here working out. I mean, they'd come in every dang week. And uh, the Dick was a little buddy Rogers used to train here all the time. He was that blonde-headed fellow. He was well-known in the 50s. Bruiser Brody was another one that, that worked out here all the time. And God, I... Oh, Rocky Johnson worked out here. His son is rock in movies. Now, mm-hmm. he used to bring his son down here on Saturday. And we'd go over to the hotel and get coffee, Rocky and I would. And his son was six years old then. Um, you mentioned to me um, last time we talked, I think uh, you said that Mark Gastineau trained there and some other athletes too. Mark Gastineau often trained here. Where I met him was his father and him came up when he was going to college. Oklahoma, Southern Oklahoma is a small school. And he said his mm-hmm. father said he was trying to get into pro football. He weighed about 220 then. And, uh, you know, I said, well, if you want to gain some size, you're going to have to get him on weight training. So I told him what to get. Get him an Olympic set and get him a bench, incline bench and a squat rack. And concentrate on the bench presses, the bent over rows, and the deadlifts. And if you want to do some extra ones, throw in some presses and some curls. And he worked out religiously. Then I, I didn't hear from him no more. Then one time, about three or four years after that, this big monster comes in the gym, weighing 265. <laughs> you remember me? Wow. I said, no, I don't quite remember you. I looked at you. You look familiar. I came up here with my father. I said, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it's the same man. He said, you know, wow. I tried to get, I, he said, I'm playing for the Jets now. He said, I'm the fastest inner lineman in pro football, from tackle to tackle, inner lineman. Hmm. And I couldn't ball. He looked great. He had a tremendous physique on him. And uh, wow, that's, that's what great. he did. He built him to play pro football. He did it. Chuck Norris came in there several times. Didn't they film uh, several episodes of Walker, oh, no, Texas they did Ranger, about, right? Yes. They did about eight shows of his up here. And, uh, yeah, they did those shows. They did about eight of them up there. They liked this gym for training there. And he would, uh, you know, go through a scene. The scenes they needed a gym, they would come here. He was a, a, a real, down there, real good, nice fellow. He wasn't uh, eating up with that movie star stuff because he had right. already, you know, he was a karate man. He used to, there used to be a karate school right below me. And he, he told me he used to go to it from Oklahoma to have tournaments. He knew a lot of the guys that I knew that were in karate. They were his friends. Everybody mm-hmm. knew him in karate. Everybody knew him way before right. he got in the movies. And, but, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he, you know, he, he hit a lucky deal there. Yeah, I like Chuck it. Norris. I admire him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's about, what, 75 now, I guess. I'm just guessing. Yeah, he, know. he's I, up I, there. I and he looks very good for his age, too. He's following in your footsteps. Well, he, uh, you know, when I seen him up here, he was, wasn't real old, but he wasn't real young either. He was 
you could tell he wasn't no kid, but he was. Uh, he always kept a natural physique. He kept his he kept his weight down. You know, if right. a guy keeps his weight down and builds a good posture and keeps his weight down, he's going to look pretty good anyway. If he's right. normal weight, he's got good posture. He's not going to look sloppy. He's going to look good. That's what a lot of, a lot of these guys that get old, hell, they just get real fat, and that's it. They did a lot of commercials for football players up here about uh, – Five or six years ago, DeMarcus Ware and uh, Noonan and uh, Owens, T.O. T.O. Owens, the, the receiver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrell Owens. There. Yeah. And uh, wow, that's DeMarcus cool. Ware, who they had, a, they had a cowboy commercial done up here and uh, different ones through the years. But I don't get the rosters no more because they don't they don't have the, the territories all out of New York. Even they opened that New York deal up. That was the thing. All the stars went there. Well, Doug, that's going to do it. You're a true living legend, and I just want to thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. And I'll tell you what, if you, if you come to Dallas, come by the gym. I'd like to meet you. My brother lives in Fort Worth, so there's a real good chance I'm well, going to do that. Well, there. let me know when you're coming. And if you want to go to the ocean, okay. you come see me, because I live right on the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, man, I miss that ocean. Don't be a flamingo, you have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo, real lifters work their legs. Attention all serious natural lifters. Remember these two great websites, physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com. Write them down and visit them often physicalculturebooks.com and webstrengthcoach.com That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on mindforceradio.com Please bookmark that website mindforceradio.com Bob is always looking for new writers for naturalstrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.